Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Global Math Department webinar tonight. Before I introduce our speaker, let me please explain how these meetings work. These meetings are recorded and are available within 24 hours after the meeting ends. To view the recording, you can use the same URL you used to get here tonight. The Global Math community prides itself on being friendly and supportive. The chat room is available for topical and general conversation throughout the meeting. I will catch your questions for the presenter, so don't worry that the presenter won't notice your questions in the chatter. Our speaker tonight is Matt Cody. Let me give you a little background on him. He has spent the last 13 years uh, in his current position as a K through sixth grade math teacher in the Chicago suburbs. Prior to that, he was a fourth grade classroom teacher. He advocates and enjoys creating meaningful math opportunities for students. He, write about, he writes about his adventures in and out of the classroom at mattcody.com. Um, with that, I will turn it over to Matt. Um, remember, Matt, I will try and capture all of the questions so you don't have to worry about the chat box unless you're just there and you want to grab them. Um, it's all you, Matt. Okay. Thank you, Jill. Um, so like Jill stated, I'm Matt and um, I teach in the suburbs of Chicago. I mainly work uh, with kindergarten through up to sixth grade math and most of my day is spent with third through sixth grade and I get a little bit of time with the kindergarten first grade kids as well. So tonight um, I'm going to be talking about student math reflections and how I use them across all grade levels. Uh, the examples you'll see are more for the upper grades, uh, more of fifth, sixth grade level. Um, and it's been something I've been working on over the past couple of years um, specifically. So tonight, uh, this is basically your table of contents for tonight. Uh, we're going to look at um, students' math identities. We're looking at uh, current perceptions in the classroom. Um, our practices, our current practices, hopeful practices, better practices. Um, I put better practices in there because I feel like best practices is overused. So I went with better practices there. Um, student goals and then reflections, the goals part two, and then eventually to progress monitoring. How do we actual measure and progress monitor when students make goals in the math classroom? So to start, I'd like to talk a little bit about math identity. And uh, throughout this presentation, you're going to find that there are some um, images or uh, actual communications more so regarding like my experience and then how it connects to how my practice has changed over time. Um, in elementary school, what I remember about math was it was either you were amazing at it and great or good or you're horrible, not good, messy. Your handwriting was horrible. You know, I felt more in the not good uh, area when I was in elementary school. And I remember the stigma that was associated with that, uh, without that piece. Um, through elementary and middle school, these terms were used when I grew up, flexible grouping, ability grouping, tracking, you're in one bird group, you know, the, the bluebirds, the cardinals, the crows, you know, whatever it was, whatever group you were in. 
um, it was you know based on ability and you were given different types of problems than other groups. And I remember that stigma and that separation within the elementary classroom. And so that perception kind of stuck um, throughout my elementary experience and into middle school. And this slide is actually, um, many of you will, will pick up on it, Mario Brothers, regular Nintendo system, and there's five seconds left, and you've got to reach the flag, and you're going to run out of time. And I just remember time tests were huge in elementary and even at the beginning of middle school. You know, do you know your basic facts? Can you repeat them in one minute, the mad minutes? And it just really brought about a lot of anxiousness within inside me. Um, and I think sometimes our students can relate to that as well if, if they're given mad minutes or things like that. In high school, those desks were in rows, tests. I, I don't know if you can see it on the, on the slide, but there wasn't Twitter around when I was in school. Uh, Desmos was not a thing. There was no virtual reality. We didn't have tablets or iPads, so it was a lot of paper, pencil, a lot of sitting in rows, a lot of scantrons. Um, so not really engaging uh, experience. Um, school was something that was done to us or to me, and I wasn't really a part of that experience. And I remember wanting to change it even as a high school student. Um, so I have to ask, you know, how does that experience actually change, you know, for students or for teachers? You know, it, and it's not a trick question, but, you know, how has that changed? You know, even with the addition of technology and with, more of guided math models and collaboration and pieces like that. How has that truly changed the experience? And how do students perceive what is going on in my room, in the classrooms that I teach? Do they have the same perception? Uh, do they feel like math is like a, a, you have to play the game, you have to get in the right group, you're on the right track? It, it has me wondering specifically, and I interviewed a fifth grader today for a class that I was taking. And this was the quote here. You know, math is either insanely hard or extremely simple, and there's no gray area. Um, I think sometimes students uh, feel that way. You either get it or you don't. And uh, I wanted to make this experience for students better um, than, than either having just I'm great at or, or I'm not great at it. Um, so I wanted to look for better practices. Uh, these are the current practices that I, that I sometimes see. Uh, students turn in an assignment, teacher grades it, you review the answers of class, it either goes on the fridge, and then eventually at some point it's going to be recycled. And so I wanted to turn more of a metacognition lens on that. Um, and this slide was actually adapted from um, an Annie Forrest presentation um, that she let me borrow for this. So eventually tests and assignments, they get recycled, but what are the lasting effects of these assignments and tasks? So I know they're important, at least to the teacher, the tasks and assessments, but I, I tend to wonder how can the students be more of a part of it? How can they take ownership of the actual assessment itself, of the process? Because I mean, in my situation, I'm thinking sometimes kids take 45 minutes on an assessment, on a test. You know, is it worth that amount of time and how much are they getting out of it than just looking at the paper, seeing the grade and, 
and tossing it or putting it in their desk. So I wanted students to take more of an ownership role in, in their learning experience. These are four particular books that I have found very useful. Um, and really, I've used every one of these within this presentation. Uh, that seven strategies of assessment for learning is really where I, I went ahead and I took a lot of uh, material and quotes for this particular presentation right from there um, with reflections and things like that. Many of you are probably already familiar with these and powerful teaching is another one that I wanted to add to the list. Um, after this was created, that's another amazing book um, that I use some of that for this particular presentation. So I read the literature and I wanted to make some changes to students' math experiences. So four things in particular that I thought might be beneficial moving forward. And this journey started about five years ago and I've slowly incrementally made progress. Um, introducing retakes, that was one thing. Uh, having students analyze their assessments was another. Um, reflections and awareness, and then eventually students creating their own math goals. And I feel like that was, that math goal piece was empowering for the kids because they could keep track of their math goals. Um, I thought that was a major piece. So the first part was retake. So shifting towards a standards-based grading approach. And in my district, we are non-standards-based grading. So we, do, we don't have ones, twos, threes, fours. It's A through, through D type of thing. And so first thing that um, I put into place, and my team has as well, is we introduced uh, a met or not yet um, sheet to have students reflect more on the task. Um, if there's an M on the sheet, then they have met the task. If there's an NY on it, they have not yet. So anything that they get incorrect automatically becomes not yet. So it could be a simple error. It could be a whole misconcept. So retakes was the beginning of, of students really analyzing their work instead of shoving it into their desk or into their backpack. Um, so if a student had to retake it, or actually they were required to retake it if they didn't get 100% correct, um, and they, they put the reasoning of why they had to retake it, they couldn't put simple mistake on there, um, and then they stapled this to the top of their sheet and resubmit. So students took time to, to look at their assignments in general. And this is not for every assignment. These were for particular quizzes um, that students would, would take in after instruction was given. So these were the not yet and met sheets that are stacked in an actual basket in my room right now. Um, and when I pass back the quizzes, it either has an NY or an M on it. Students take it from the basket, staple it, and turn it back in. Um, so that was the first part, is really integrating retakes into the actual um, classroom practice. And my teammates have been using this as well. Um, they have different versions of it, but eventually moving towards retakes also changes the perception of it's not a one and done type of quiz. Um, they have an opportunity to retake it and perform better the second time around. Uh, here are some examples that you can see. I'm I'm not going to be reading them uh, word for word, but you can kind of kind of grasp and see what specifically that they might have changed 
Um, a lot of them had to deal with practice, uh, maybe looking a little bit more carefully at the directions or adding fractions um, where they, they might have forgot the denominator. Um, so, and I actually keep all these. I use them for parent-teacher conferences as well to show how students have been growing over time. Uh, so the not yet met sheets have been very helpful in moving students' perceptions a bit towards less about points and more about our, our journey. And I take the higher, highest score um, after they turn this in, so after their second attempt. So after the NYM sheets are passed out, I've noticed really five things. You know, one, students are not as stressed out about quizzes. Um, I will say, I don't know how we can eliminate all the stress from them, but they are definitely less anxious. Um, they want to ask questions, which is, I'm like, uh, having a sixth grader ask me questions about their math, I'm totally game on that. Absolutely, come up and ask me questions. Um, and really, it also helps me with my own practice to make sure that I'm setting clear expectations and directions up front and to make sure the students understand that before they turn it in. And then that last thing, number five, it is still a work in progress. There's there's things that I'd like to change, I'd like to tweak, um, things that I'd like to maybe modify a little bit. Um, if you can, in the comment section, feel free um, to add if you if you have um, if you use retakes or if you um, have uh, have experience using them. I'd like to know. Um, the not yet met sheets were actually something out of the MitBoss community and the I Teach Math community that I kind of modified for my own. So it'll just be interesting to hear what others um, have experienced with that. But I've I've experienced some positive results uh, from the NYM sheets. So I went from the NYM sheets to math goals. So students would complete the NYM sheets, and then I wanted students let's make math goals. And this was about two, three years ago, I went ahead and I said, all right, let's set math goals today. I know it's important to set goals. Let's create goals. So I noticed I have the NYM on one arrow and I wanted it to go to math goals. So I created a big anchor chart with math goals. I said, you know, I, I want to learn about geometry. I want to learn about pre-algebra. I want to learn about linear equations, things like that. I reviewed the classes, you know, the possible misconceptions. We looked at the next unit. And I created some sample meaningful goals. Um, the goals then, what the students came up with were a bit different. Um, these were the type of goals that the students made after we created the anchor chart. I can, I'll let you just go ahead and read those. So apparently the goals were, were quite performance in, uh, performance initiated, like getting 100%, writing clearly, making better math sentences to get everything right, get zero wrong. And I really felt like a bad teacher after reading those. I, I felt like, what did I do wrong? You know, I wanted the, them students to actually feel as though math is more of a journey not just getting that 100% or feeling the pressure that comes with that. So I went ahead and I started to think of, okay, that was kind of a little bit of a, of a fail there. Let's, let's kind of backtrack a little bit and start to think about how do we go from points to journey? And so students aren't so concentrating on that, 
that A or the B or whatnot. So I rerouted my direction and, and thought, why don't students look at their assessments, analyze their assessments, and then make goals based on how they perform on the assessments? That way we have some type of objective criteria. So right now, um, well, in general, this is just general practice, student takes a test, it gets turned in, they get it back, and if they, get a, if they get a grade that's not so hot, you're going to find that eventually it ends up in the trash or you're, you're, ending up you're ending up calling home or you're discussing it one-on-one -on -one with the parent with the student to see, okay, how can I do better at this? So I wanted to change the cycle, change the perspective on this of tests. Because right now, even at that sixth grade level, there's a lot of pressure on it. The parents, they want to know when the test is. The kids want to know when the test is because they feel like it's very high stakes and we want to make sure that um, that actual, you know, that the, the tests are not as uh, as highly influential in directing where the kids are learning and what they're learning. So I wanted the students to reflect on their math experience. And you can see in that little parentheses, not just experience the anxiety that comes from pressure or tests. So I, I do feel like there's a lot of anxiety that comes from pressure or tests. And I want to move kids away from that anxiety um, and empower them to let's reflect on that. Let's look at our assessments and, and move forward on that. Um, Terry Crooks uh, from that book, The Seven Strategies of Assessment for Learning, uh, put this quote in there. I'll let you go ahead and, and read it. So in general, my, my gist from you know, looking at this is students are going to go ahead and take a look at the feedback. If we first ask them, take a look at your performance without the teacher input. So without the, the red marks, the questions, you know, how do you think you, you did? Um, where do you think you've succeeded? Where do you think you might need some work? Um, so this is really the basis of of what was used for creating some of the material that you're going to be seeing later on in this uh, presentation. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to switch to uh, sharing a screen here. Um, and I'm going to share it and we're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, this is my first time using this, so you're going to please bear with me here. Um, but here is the code. I'm hoping you guys can see the, uh, the screen. Uh, if you can, go to menti.com and then use that code 604379. And once you enter in the words, it will start populating. Okay, all right, I'm starting to see people coming in on there, all right.
Okay, self-directed, student-centered, metacognition, ownership. Oh, these are great. Courage, empowering. I see that metacognition huge right there. Confidence, oh, I like that. It's great. Positive, honesty. Yeah, honesty is huge with this. Ownership. Oh, yeah, these are great. Reflection. Growth, yes. Vulnerability, yeah. All right. So we have a lot of uh, actual pieces here. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to actually take a take a quick screenshot of, of all those amazing words. Um, I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing this screen to go back to uh, the regular uh, presentation here. All right. Let's see here. Jill, is the is the presentation back? Jill? No, no, we're not seeing it. Um, maybe I need to, I can redrop it in there. We may have to. Oh, oh, there you go. Did it come back? Yep. Thank you. There you go. All right. So um, those are some amazing uh, words there. And definitely you're going to see some of those words as we continue through this presentation. So I wanted students to reflect on their actual achievement on the assessments. Um, and I put in their parentheses, time is gold, because we know that. We only have a limited amount of time with the kids. And I try to squeeze every minute out of, out of that time. And so I wanted to be mindful of that time as well um, to make sure it's valuable and, and useful. So I thought here are three specific things. The, the student reflections after the assessment, they need to first be timely i wanted to make sure they were intentionally planned out organized and actually meaningful to the student otherwise i felt like they're worthless so if it's not meaningful to the student why are we why are we reflecting um, on this um, especially if students are need to make goals uh, so as far as test analysis um, after students took a test and we we went over it as a class I categorized the actual um, test into concepts, which sometimes your curriculum, the resource that you use already has, these problems are associated with these concepts. So um, the students go ahead and they um, circle the problem. So they circle problem one, they might not have got that correct. That is dealing with measuring angles. Uh, five, same thing, maybe they, they didn't get that correct. Five is circled. Um, and then sometimes like I'll put, put a triangle around the correct answer. So students are aware that, you know, I'm looking at both the correct answers and the incorrect. I think sometimes students really focus on the incorrect and then it just all the things that were correct just get put to the side, which we don't want. So students go ahead and fill this out after the assessment. I'm not a part of this. They, they fill it out on their own. 
And then they look and see, okay, what are the concepts on the test? So I don't put points on this, it's just problems, concept. Um, and so this is a little half sheet and they have, they put this in their math journal while they review the assessment. Um, here's another version of it. So moving kids away from the skills instead of the, the actual letter grade, or if your standards based, it's like, you know, the one, two, three, four or whatnot. So if they got anything incorrect in the problem, they still circle it. And then they, and they put the amount circled in the concept. Um, students will will often look and see, oh, I've got a category, a big cluster of problems that might not have been correct in data landmarks or in map skills, something like coordinate grids. Um, so they start to analyze, they start to look at, at themes or trends. And so after they look at that chart, they look at what concept area do you feel you learned about the most during this unit? Again, I am, I'm in the back, I'm not filling this out, the kids are. So they might look for areas where they didn't get anything wrong and say, I actually, or I actually did really well with multiplying by factors or factoring specific numbers or linear occasion, linear, linear equations. And then I have this one down here. This question is part of a prompt. You know, unit three had many different learning activities. What learning activity sticks out in your mind? So I want students to start thinking about their own thinking. The activities that were engaging or memorable, did that affect how well you performed on the assessment? So I'm not telling them they're right or wrong. This is more of their opinion uh, for this in particular. And then, then we start going into analysis. So I might have a question number, Craig, why did you miss this question? Sure, explain how to get the correct answer. If a student gets it wrong because of a simple mistake, Students generally know, okay, I, I forgot to, uh, to use order of operations. Sometimes the kids have no idea why they got it wrong. And that's a time where, you know, we can go ahead, talk with the students, say, what, what happened? Why is this incorrect? Um, and I don't use this with every assessment. It might be if I find that there's a trend with specific questions. Uh, Natalie had a terrific tweet. Um, back in February, and I thought this was was really interesting. So I, I asked her if I could use this and, and then screenshot it. But just go go ahead and, and read it. So I feel like there there's there's a line as far as if this is a small stake or an actual lack of understanding. I think sometimes students think it was a simple mistake. It was definitely a simple mistake, but then you, you look back and then they're not able to, to actually conceptually show their understanding. And they go, like, actually, no, it's not a simple mistake. We need to go back and we need to definitely reteach or meet with them. So I think when students analyze, they have to be able to identify, is it a simple mistake or is it something more? Um, so students are becoming better at error analysis. Why did they miss the problem? Sometimes the kids are like, I, I'm really not sure. I don't know why. And that's where um, I've done a few examples in front of the class of this is, this is a simple mistake. This is something that leads me to believe there's something more. And it's okay to write that there's something more, that I might not completely understand the concept. I like that fuzzy errors. That's great, Robin. Uh, so when students miss a problem, we have to start 
think of thinking, is it a conceptual or a simple mistake? Or we'll use Robin's fuzzy error. You know, is it, are there gaps involved? Is there practice or are there next steps? Um, is it a computation issue? Is it a vocabulary issue? So as I was looking through these student responses on whether what they thought was, you know, why they thought they missed the problem, it was not as simple as I thought. Um, just because they had the problem wrong on the test, does that truly mean that they don't understand it? So we're delving deeper into the reasoning of why something was incorrect. Um, or if it was just a simple mistake, um, or they flipped the signs or something like that. So here's another quote out of, out of that seven strategies of assessment. I'll go ahead and, and let you read that. So I, I find this quite a bit. I mean, working with kindergarten, first, second, and third, um, students are, are, you know, we want to encourage them and we want them to do well. And we sometimes really are by their side, you know, cheering them on, you know, keep it up. The effort's great. Um, but then, you know, then they think, well, no, that was just a simple mistake. I'll, I'll, I will definitely, I won't miss that next time. I'll do great. Where the older students, some of my sixth graders, uh, it's more realistic. They, they're more cognizant of like what happened. Um, they were in a rush or they weren't there on the day that I taught it. And so they have to, to really look at what is happening um, in the classroom and and also like you know what what uh, experiences in looking at what happened in their classroom last year or in the years prior how was how did they experience math and did they have they experienced self-reflection before or are they given the expectation of this is where you're at mathematically or and I, I sometimes have this happen in, in conferences or open house um, where it was like you have parents or or siblings, or you know, I was great at math, you'll be great at math. Or I was a math person, you'll be a math person. Or I'm not a math person, you won't be a math person. And so I think sometimes kids internalize that automatically, and that's their identity. They've adopted it. And so with that adoption comes their, their own self-analysis and self-reflection. So I wanted kids to move away from the extremes, just like in in certain issues like homework issues or grading issues. It's oftentimes it's not a it's not a black or white or or a complete separate issue. There's sometimes there's some gray. So moving away from extremes for students that say, I don't need to work on anything. You know, I'm I'm doing fine. Everything was a simple mistake to this is horrible. I'm the worst. Why am I even here? So moving away from these extremes can be a challenge um, where we have to have kids look at and see, okay, there's a balance here. It's not I'm, I'm either good at math or I'm, or I'm horrible at it. It's looking at, at where we're at um, in the gray area. You know what? I, can, I might not be great at these concepts yet, but I'm working towards becoming better. And it's really a transition and looking at, you know, back in the beginning of this presentation of your math identity and the perspective and perception of math. So moving to focus on the effort 
wins and possible uh, misconceptions. So focusing on that effort, the wins, and looking at errors or, or where we feel like we need to improve. So as students fill out the sheet um, that I showed you earlier, um, you can see at the top here, it shows that you've got, this is what we looked at earlier, where they go ahead and they circle possible incorrect answers. And then below, we're looking at what concept area do you feel you learned about the most? So this person adds, subtract, multiply, and divide decimals. And then where could you improve data analysis, central tendency, and box plots, it looks like. So looking at that, and I tell the students, it doesn't necessarily have to be the area where you had um, incorrect answers. It also could be an area where maybe your quizzes weren't so hot in this, or you feel like you need some improvement. So in the emphasis I have is in perceived strengths. So this is from the student's perspective. And I try to stay out of this as much as possible because you know how quickly students can change their mind when a teacher says, well, no, I think you need to work on this. And so for some students, then they gravitate towards that, that aspect. So I want the students to perceive and look at where they feel like their strengths and concern areas are. And then looking at wins and improvement areas. So you've got, you know, again, reviewing the chart, what do you feel like you learned about the most organized represent data, where could you improve? Multiply and divide decimals. And these sheets are given after assessments, and we give eight assessments a year. So this is really only, um, you know, one time, one eighth, and so we give them every month and a half or so. Um, and in the, and in between them, there's progress monitoring, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, so reflecting on wins and improvement areas. So wins for this particular person was, let's see, finding area. So this person felt like they did really well in finding area. This one was finding volume. So wins in improvement areas. And when I first started it, this, this sheet, I had two wins and two improvement areas. Um, and I found that some students would have trouble with coming up with, um, with wins or they made them artificial. Like I was great at studying and I'd like, no, no, let's let's look at a particular concept area. Um, and so I went ahead and made the two in the improvement, but it doesn't always have to be that way. Um, I've made some tweaks to this as, as uh, the years have progressed. Um, and then taking a look at mistakes turning into learning opportunities. So going back to that growth mindset, talking about mapping a process. You know, and mistakes happen, but learning from them is part of that process. So provide an example of how a mistake turned into a learning opportunity that helped you later. So this is a prompt that was given to a third grader. And this is in their journal right after the reflection sheet. And then looking at, you know, this is how I did on my homework and I'm good because of the feedback. Um, and then the success depends on your effort level and commitment provide one example where you needed to increase your effort level. So I think sometimes students might have different views on what does an increase in effort mean? What does a productive struggle mean? Isn't this math supposed to be quick? I've always gotten it. It's, it's, I've always had a success here. So understanding that um, your grade and your achievement isn't the only aspect here that I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about your math journey in general. 
So, but I don't think reflection awareness is the goal. It's important, but we can use that to make goals moving forward and taking a look at individual goals. Um, so I made, I had a second attempt. So, you know, the first attempt was kind of a bust. They wanted to get 100%, A+, things like that. Um, they wanted to make sure that they um, they were, you know, when they take their tests home, the parent, the parent is good, good with that. Their teacher is pleased. So I went ahead and had the test analysis happen. And then here's our second attempt at goal setting. So before we dug into it as a class, we started to look at, are the goals actually realistic and not related to a perfect score? Now, this took a while for students to, to really grasp as far as making goals, like how, how can we make a goal that's not achievement oriented based on a percentile? And so we started to talk about how can we measure it? You know, we talk about smart goals and things like that. Um, is there a timeline? And in our case, the timeline was from the beginning of the next unit to the end of the unit. So we're about a month, month and a half. And are there support systems to help you? And I would put myself, the, the teacher on, uh, as a support system, but I'd also say, okay, how about at home? And then I also have to think there's an equity piece there too. You know, what supports can happen within the school outside of my classroom? Are, is there a homeroom? Are there, are there math uh, study skill classes, things like that? And then how often will we be checking in on the progress? Will we actually be creating the goal and then just checking it at the end? I hope not. Like we need to have some steps along, otherwise we just forget the goal. And, and it was just kind of a mark in our journal and we never reflected on it. And then what are the next steps? If the kids already met the goal, what do we do next? So we started to discuss this beforehand. Um, and then, you know, is the goal actually unreachable or appropriate? Um, this is, uh, it was supposed to be a GIF, but just don't come off really well on in a PDF format. But this dog is going around and around this, this uh, chair outside, trying to get its head on the pizza, but he misses it every time. So we have to think, is the goal actually unreachable? Or is it, is it true for that specific student? Okay, I think sometimes when students make goals, they, they might make them so far out there that we need to step it back a little. We need to moderate, okay? We need to moderate. And we need to make sure that, that we have supports in place to make those goals. So, and also the prompts matter, okay? Timing is so important. We have, when you look at it, the amount of time we have students, we have with students is packed with so much math and content that reflecting has been now part of, ingrained in part of the math routines that I have. So I've made it part of the class and have dedicated parts of that math routine to reflections. Um, at first, when it was initiated, it was a bit of a challenge to connect the two because students thought, why are we writing in math class? What, why, do, why are we journaling here? So I had to take a step back with the kids and said, this is really about metacognition and thinking about our, our journey and math. And it's not just a linear progression of, along a line. We all are on a different path. And, and so just looking in general at, um, at the timing piece. So we, I started to use these reflections. 
um, you know, when I first started this unit, so this is after the assessment, I, these are sentence stems. So these get students to reflect a little bit more. So when I first started this unit on measurement, I, and then now I think, and then in this math class, I wonder, and then what they learned, um, this is the kicker right here, this thing. If I could do anything on the test again over, I would. And I find that students are really honest with this. Um, some of them are a little bit more particular, like they would, they would, you know, possibly study more or concentrate more on line plots before the test. Or I would look at the pretests more, or I'd look over the quizzes. So a lot of study skill habits right there in that particular one. Um, and then I want kids to also think about how they're working, you know, as a mathematicians. One thing I'm proud of, um, I want to remember and use for the future, the most difficult thing. Okay. And it's not always what was the what's wrong. Sometimes I have kids write in here, the most difficult thing was the open response. I had everything correct, but it was challenging. And I had really, really think about it. And then this last one is really hits on the math mind, uh, the growth mindset. How am I growing as a mathematician? You know, and, and these are, I don't ask the students to use all the lines. You can use as many um, as, as them as possible. Um, it's not a complete sentence either. They're just continuing on. And I've had students who've asked for extra pages of this so that they can add on to it. And this goes in their math reflection journals that they keep with me all year. So I print these out, cut them, and then they tape them in their math journals. And so as the year progresses, they can look back and see the growth um, over time. I'm fortunate because I get to loop with some of my students. So some some years, sometimes I have three years worth of this. So it can be a great uh, tool to show that growth. Um, so in moving towards goals, after we finish a unit, I actually have them look at the next unit. So they preview the next unit. So they look in their journal. We use a consumable journal and study guide. Study guides like uh, a pretest, basically. And then they look through that unit six or whatever the next unit is, and they write a problem that they look at. And they they look at it and they say, I have no idea how to complete this. This is absolutely new to me. So if we're doing something about box plots and they've never seen the word box plot before, they might put that right in there. Um, if we're doing linear equations and they see something that's brand new in there, they might write, write it right in there. I said, write whatever the problem is in there. I said, we'll eventually get to it because we're going to get to everything in that unit. Write it down. Um, my fifth graders are doing, let's see, a uh, shape, uh, shape hierarchy. So students hadn't, they, I, they saw that word hierarchy and, and they weren't quite sure what that was all about. And so they wrote that in there. And then they take this and then they write that goal right there. So they create a goal based on that. Um, and then I make sure there's a student signature, the initial, I initial, and we date it. Because we're going to come back to it. So this is this does take, this whole previewing the unit takes you know, about five, 10 minutes. They look at their journal, they look, and then there are some kids that look at it all. Oh, I got it, I got it, I'm good to go. Um, but then, you know, we look through it a little bit more carefully and we find out, okay, maybe I don't. Maybe there are some things in here that I'm not quite familiar with. Um, and then we make the goals in, in that piece. 
and so moving forward, um, you know, this is another reflection piece of, of being, you know, what are you proud of? Why did you miss it? So we might look back at the reflection form and then use that to look at the preview for the next unit. Because you might find similar topics in there. Um, some of us use resources that are cyclical or they um, cycle from one one um, unit to another. You might find new pieces just added on in challenge. So it's good to, to take a look at that. Um, so going back to the reflection form, we have this piece, which was the earlier part. And then at two words that you used to describe your performance, do you feel like the problems that you missed were due to simple mistakes? What concepts area above you feel your strength? What do you think might need strengthening? Um, so looking at that, we use this as part of our goal setting as well. Um, and then at the end of the unit reflection, um, there's a small section where it will talk about your success depends on your effort level and commitment. Provide one example where you needed to increase your effort level to meet the expectations of the class. So I might have this as part of it. These are all just general templates. And based on how students do on that assessment, I might decide to use some of these and some of these I might not. It really depends on, on how the students did in for that particular unit. And then once we are looking at the preview, we talk about making that one math goal. Um, and this, this was actually given back last May by the end of the school year. So looking at a math goal that you'd like to achieve by the end of the school year. Um, then, so this is an example of the preview. This was actually not too long ago, February 27th. Um, write one problem that you're unsure of how to complete. This student decided to write bar models. So we're doing algebra and we were learning how to use it with um, bar models and create a goal based on this. So use bar models to solve equations. They signed it, I signed it, dated it. And this was on the 27th of February. And so we went ahead and I'm gonna go through the progress monitoring piece here of that particular page in a little bit. But this is all about reflection moving to goals. That this is the whole piece of students analyzing how they did, where the misconceptions might be or unknowns are, and then meet, making goals based on that. So we're looking at analyzing, reflecting, looking at trends or preview, and then goal set. Oh, this is the um, this is the hierarchy one down here. So uh, taking a look at the hierarchy, the shape hierarchies. Um, and then when I meet with the students, I look at this and this person says what, or this person says, I need to work on fraction division. So this is a one-on-one -on -one conversation where I have with the kid and says, what does that look like? What does working on fraction division look like? And then how do we turn that into a specific goal? And these are questions I have with the students. Um, and then extending improvement areas. Um, what will you do to ensure that you meet the goal? So now we're looking at the monitoring piece, practice with rectangles. So we're looking at area. This was a third grader, looking at the area of a rectangle. And so we start to discuss, how are you going to practice with rectangles? And that's a discussion we have. So then we look, once we make the goal and we have a solid understanding of the goal, we monitor progress. So this is the second sheet after the preview. So the, this is possibly like a couple weeks later. 
we review the goal, how close are you to achieving that goal? So not even close or we met the goal. And then what evidence do you have? So when I put this on the students, you know, how, how can you show me that you are making progress towards the goal? And so students have come up and they say, I've been practicing with Khan Academy at home, or I've been using, you know, this study piece, or we've actually done this in class, so I'm making progress towards that. And then we sign off on it. And this is just meeting with a quick one-on-one. -on -one. What's your goal? How close are you meeting the goal? So a quick check-in. Um, so this is what the one student I mentioned earlier um, with the bar models. This was the second. This was on third, the third, uh, so March third. So four. I can use them, but not comfortably or fast. So this person can use the bar models, but not comfortably or fast yet. So we're making progress. So that's good. We're we're checking in on this particular. Uh, particular goal that we have. And this piece literally took about a minute. I said, all right, I will say, all right, journal check. They'll take out their journals and I'll go by table by table. They'll have them out. I'll go ahead and kneel real quick by them, look over it, sign, all right, move on, next. And then students will actually put, I have a little uh, turn-in bin and they'll post. If they want to talk more about it, they'll put a little post-it note, talk with Mr. C about this. And then we'll try to find some uh, time opportunity, maybe during homeroom or something like that, where we can chat about it in more detail. Here's another version of it using a scale. I have found a scale to be pretty useful, especially for the kids fourth and fifth grade. Um, I did, when I first started this, I said, you either, have you met the goal or not yet? And I had kids circle the middle. <laughs> and so I, I wanted students to be able to show if they were close to meeting it or not yet. Um, and this is a, a consideration piece of after we get through a couple of units, I might have them fill this out. Where in unit one, we worked through these specific things on data analysis. How do you feel like your effort level was, your attention to detail, your actual performance? So asking the students where they feel like they are in this. And then I have some questions on the side, considerations of like how to use it and, and maybe things to cover because I really have an issue with attaching a percentile because the whole idea was getting away from the percentile in itself um, because I want students to look at how they feel like they did. Um, so when to meet one-on-one -on -one with the students. So this is an issue I have um, because I want the students to reflect. I want them to use that metacognition piece and self-reflect, but they also need to meet with me uh, to, to kind of you know, connect, have that rapport, understand that we're on the same page, that we're working together for this particular goal. And so when do I tend to meet with them? Um, and what does the meeting look like? So when I, when I do meet with them, um, it's often student-led. Uh, question based, I actually generally have the students speak first. I say, all right, well, you know, so why are you here? And it's like, okay, to talk about our goal. Okay, what trends do you notice? Um, sometimes I have parents involved with this. Um, not all the time, though. And I'd say very few do I. Um, you know, we start looking at trends. 
we both sign off and then we look at the progress monitoring piece. So when we meet, I will often have math centers going on. Um, there'll be different technology pieces. I might have a Desmos, students might be working on a Desmos task, or they might be working on the pre-assessment for the next unit. And then that's when I can pull them real quick and talk, talk to them. Or during a math routine, I might have them all be working on estimation 180 or um, a Solve Me Mobile or a piece like that. Or they might be doing group work and I might go and say, all right, I want to tackle groups one, two, and three today. I'm going to get three, four, five tomorrow. And really, it's just meeting them quick. It might be a minute, two minutes, three minutes tops. Um, but it's really to check in and, and to see, okay, where are we at with our goal? Do you need anything from me for you to be successful in working towards this goal? And, and it's really that, that piece um, that I think is important to have that quick connection. And some, some of the students actually prefer to do it digitally, like a Google Doc or a Google Sheet, and say, okay, here's my goal. And then I might type in the Google Doc, how are we doing with this? You know, where are we at as far as that? Um, and they might type back to me later when they're doing their homework on some other assignment of saying, okay, this is how I'm doing my, I'm right now I'm at a five. I have met the goal or right now I feel like I'm at a three. And so having that dialogue through a Google doc um, or through technology might be one way to do it. Yeah, Google Classroom, yes. So really it's about developing a, a reflection cycle uh, where the students take the assessment or a, a particular task, they analyze their assessment, they take a look at you know, they analyze how they did, they reflect on it, and then they, they, meet, they set the goal. And so there's progress monitoring happening all the time as we go through this process. And so they set the goal at the beginning of the unit, we progress monitor check-in maybe two, three times. And at the end of the unit, we can, we can look, how did we do meeting our specific individual goal? All right, let's set a new goal for the new unit. And sometimes the goals are very similar to because we're still working on them. Um, so really it's about developing a, a reflection cycle within your classroom. And it, and really I feel like this applies across the board um, as far as grades are concerned. Um, fifth, sixth grade, I know in seventh grade there are teachers who do this as well. Um, it's It might not be as in depth, but there are pieces of it that you can use. And it really gets the kids more involved in understanding that this is a journey, not just a, a checkpoint test, move on, checkpoint test, move on. And there's a there's a goal piece of that. So and with that, I've really enjoyed uh, presenting this and talking about goal setting for students. Okay, Matt, I grabbed a couple of questions as we were going through here. The first one is how many retakes do you allow? Uh, right now, there are two. So I allow the students the first time that they they complete it. That is their first. The that is an attempt one. So the attempt the the second attempt they fill out the NYM sheet. That is their second attempt that they have on it. So I take whatever it is it is after that. Good to go. So there's only one NYM sheet for um, for the actual uh, grade itself. Okay. So, so yeah, basically two attempts that they get. Okay. Do you use different versions of the task on those retakes? Um, it's usually the same, 
the same one and I'll circle the problems. I'll, I'll highlight them. Um, I, I might use post-it notes with feedback on them. Um, but I do offer other copies of the sheet too, because some students might just want to start over completely. Okay, great. Um, another question was, when do you calculate the grades? Do you just so, do that quarterly or? We're trimester-based, so three okay. times a year. Um, when the problem combines multiple skills and concepts, how does that reflection work? So based on the, like if it covers multiple pieces, we can split it up into like if it is uh, an algebra or a measurement. I try to weigh it a little bit more heavily towards a particular one based on what it's assessing. Um, I'll also leave a blank item on some of the templates to put it in if they feel like it matches a different category. So I'll leave a blank one. Uh, but usually I pre I assign it for a particular um, strand. Okay. And people are dying to know if you share any of these reflection sheets. I do. I do. They're right on uh, the website, madcody.com. Okay. All right. And then if you have no time for conferences, you did there at the end kind of give us some suggestions on how to meet with um, students. Is that a critical part, do you think, of the, the reflection? Is that little one-on-one -on -one meeting that you have with them? Yes. Yes. I, I don't think they would be as beneficial without a, you know, a digital connection, you know, through a Google class uh class or or just you know meeting one-on-one -on -one to check in i feel like that signature piece is also powerful like saying you know like they're committed to this type of thing all right and then i'm just looking here on the chat this last few things um the last one there so any of your unit assessments include previously covered unit materials as well as current materials Yes, um, there are on the assessments, there are, um, there's often kind of a cyclical piece to it where they'll have um, the same concept, maybe unit two or unit four. They might have similar concepts, but just a little bit, a bit more uh, rigorous or there might be more intensity with that. So yes, and so that is actually helpful with goals because then we can extend the goal to those particular concepts. Great, great. Um... I think everybody's just loving it. Great ideas and everything. I attached the link so everybody can find the mattcody.com website. Um, thank you, Matt, for sharing your wonderful ideas with us. I hope you'll be able to stick around if there's any other questions. Um, everyone in attendance, thank you for joining us tonight. Next week on March 17th, we're going to be doing a webinar called Creating a Thinking Classroom. Um, from VNPS and VRG to the lessons to the aha moments. So please don't hesitate to join us next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time on March 17th. Thank you, Matt, again for a wonderful presentation. And does anybody have any other questions that they want to post before I end the webinar? All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks Thank for you. coming. Uh -huh. Thank you.